there's something moral here that we need to avoid, something immoral that we need to avoid even as we're killing people. There are all kinds of moral parameters that must be followed. Always, always, always. Yeah. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and we talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. Dave, we've recently been talking about uh, the war in Ukraine. Right. Yeah. Where Russia has invaded um, Ukraine. And uh, it has brought up for a lot of people... What does it mean to engage in proper war? Uh, Russia has been accused, Putin has been accused of um, war crimes. Right. What does that mean? Is it just stuff that we don't like? No, he's killing civilians and, uh, yeah, so like agreed upon international warfaring rules right. that he's violating. Right. right, right. Agreed upon international rules. And those come from the Geneva Conventions. And... Uh, but the tradition of what is allowable in war and what is not allowable in war goes way, way back, long before the Geneva Conventions Right. in, in just war. So I thought it would be helpful for us to review, now that war has kind of come upon us again in force and we're yeah. thinking about it, what, what does Christianity say? What does the Bible say? What does God say about war? Right. Yeah, that's an important topic. The Bible actually doesn't talk a whole lot about war itself. Or government, exactly. Or government. Yeah. That's a good point. And so we have to kind of glean from other principles. Yeah. Certainly the Bible says that people, all people, are made in the, ima- made in the image of God. Which is a key point. Huge think, yeah. point. And so that... Uh, all people, regardless of where they're from and what, what kind of position they're holding, right. they to have this respect and honor... From other humans, yes, because they have the image of God upon them. That there's a weightiness to them. Yeah, they have and reflecting God. That's right. That's right. They affect yeah. uh, ref- even in their brokenness. Even in mm. their brokenness. Even if they disagree with me. Right. Even if they have different politics or or whatever. Yeah. Um, and certainly, we know that the that the goal of all history is peace. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Right. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians 6, we're not, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Um, and so the Bible does talk about fighting, but it, the, especially the New Testament talks a lot about fighting in the context of spirituality. We fight spiritually. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, those passages are referring to God's people, right? Not sure. taking vengeance and yes, yes, not yes, acting yes. as a government. It gets obviously gets stickier when we're talking about what is a government allowed to do or not to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, Paul also does specifically say that governments have the power of the sword. Right. Right. And so now we would say the power of the gun or the you know, whatever. Right. Um the the uh authority to kill. Yes. Yeah. And and so, so while we don't have that individually, or the church right. doesn't have that, right. governments do. Right, but that doesn't mean that they can just kill at will, right? We that's would... <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we're talking about. When? when that's how? It. What are the? What's the criteria that a government ought to follow? Exactly. Not that they do. Now, Christians right. have been thinking about this for a very, very long time, right. and we would do well to pay attention to our history and our brothers and sisters in the past who have thought about this. In Christianity, the two biggest thinkers that have really done a lot of heavy lifting for us are St. Augustine and St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. Um, but recently, a lot of work has been done as well. So I thought we would go through, there are two broad categories of of like principles for uh, warfare that is good. One is, when do you go into war? What principles are there to decide when you should start a war? Right. And you mean, by good, you mean just. Just, yeah. yeah. See, Good's and not that's, the best word. Good is not the best word, because <laughs> right. no yeah. war is good. Yeah. No war is yeah, good. Yeah, not exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I think I can say that pretty definitively, even though I, I did use the phrase a moment ago, good war, uh, <laughs> that that's, that's almost like an oxymoron. Goodness is peace. Yeah. 
Now, we do see in the Old Testament the use of God's people as a theocracy, yes. bearing the sword to bring judgment on yes. the Canaanites. Yes. Um, and they were, at times, to eradicate entire cities. Right. Which today we call genocide. Correct. Right? But but in that time and in that in that particular relationship that God had with a particular nation at a, at a particular time in history that is no more, yeah. um, it was his will, and therefore we could say it was good, mm-hmm. that he was bringing uh, his wrath upon a very evil society that was killing their own children and burning them to false gods and yes. all kinds of horrible stuff. Uh, and that in that way, we can say it was good because it pleased the Lord. Yes. Right. That's right. That's right. And that's one of the ways that we know that there is such a thing as a just war. Because God, at times, we know, endorses war. Right. And we also know that he loves peace. And this is the, okay, so where do we, how do we make decisions? How do we right. know? How do we work out the ethics here? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's very easy for uh, folks who are antagonistic to to the Bible or to um, uh, maybe evangelicals uh-huh. to just... Uh, slam this idea that God is a warfaring, warmongering God who, who right. commits genocide and right. infanticide, and yep. uh, that's that's just uh, that's an easy target, and it's not nuancing anything. That's right. right. That's Likewise, right. there are people who who hold that whatever our government does has got to be right because we're God's nation. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, we're the new theocracy. The that's Christian not right either. Yeah, uh-huh. and um, and that definitely needs to be dealt with. Yep. And so here we are trying to nuance uh, when. When should or ought a government go to war under what can, you know, circumstances? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, so there are six things that we uh, criteria that we need before we can go to war and it be a just war. The first one is that there needs to be a just cause. And what that means is that we go to war for self-defense or for the defense of a weaker nation, mm-hmm. to, uh, to defend a weaker nation. What that, what that also means is that we never go to war to punish somebody else or for retribution or, or to, for oil or to go to war f- in order so right. that we can get oil. Economic purposes. Economic right. pur- advantages. Yeah. To, yeah. Right. Right. Or, or even to remove shame. Right. So i so our country, you know, we were, we were embarrassed by this one thing. And so now we're, we're going to gain our honor back by going right. into war. Right. That is not a a just cause. Right. It has to be for self-protection or to protect a weaker nation. And that's where the image of God really comes to bear. Yes. Like we're protecting the image of God, just like yes. we do for children in the womb and for old yes. folks who are who are close to death. We, that's right. We honor the that's image right. of God upon all people. Exactly. Okay. So the second principle is that we can only go to war if it is engaged in by a competent authority. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that may not be so self-obvious at the beginning. What that means is that um, a nation-state who has the ability to um, uh, distinguish between just and unjust and and have consequences for that, that institution can go to war. Right. Someone that, uh, some entity that has diplomacy and established foreign policy and isn't just some militia. And right, some guys with guns, or exactly, uh, and that I think that gets uh, harder to discern, say in in tribal parts of Africa, in places where governments are terrifically corrupt um, or tremendously weak. Um, so that 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 could be a whole other topic, really. It, it um, could be, and yeah. so then it becomes difficult. But what we want is a self governing organization of people, a government that. Uh, has the ability to prosecute unjust actions within right. their community. Right. Yeah. And uh, and that would a legitimate political authority. So, um, third, the third thing, th- third thing that we need in order to go to war justly is the right intention. And our intention needs to be to protect human life, and possibly also property. But the main thing is to, to stop evil from progressing. We've got right. to stop evil from progressing. Right. Again, this is not to punish someone or to shame them or to... Uh, Self-interest of some n- kind. None right. of that sort of uh-huh. thing. Not, you know, uh, a, a, a dictator mm-hmm. who is going to say, oh, I just want a bigger kingdom. No, that's the right. wrong intent. I think another piece of this is mm-hmm. uh, if, a, if an, a sovereign nation is going to engage in war, yes. they have to have 
the ability to carry that out. They have to they have to be a, a player in the game, right? They have to have a potential success in that so war. That's right? our number four. Uh, that's the fourth criteria. You're exactly right. The probability of success. Yeah. They. Uh, in other words, if you, otherwise it just becomes killing. Yes. Right. It, it maybe in the, in the right for the right causes. Yeah. Maybe you have you have enough authority. You have the right intent, but it's not going to accomplish, or there's no right. potential end. Uh, it's just going to just be extra killing. Yeah, if you if you are defending yourself from a larger attacker and you have everything right except it is completely futile, then it is immoral to go to war because you are sacrificing human life needlessly. And humans are made in the image of God. I think that's a hard one for people to swallow because it feels noble, right? It feels Sure. Um and and how do we really know that. Okay, so that is difficult. Yeah. So that exactly for, it gets, honestly, it's really sticky. For all of these, we can uh, debate where right. where does this fit. But but these are principles yeah. that people who have studied this are pretty well agreed on. Yeah. So far, this one gets dicier. I think. You okay. Know, like, yeah. Like, like for Putin attacking Ukraine, I, we all believe. I think most of us believe that he thought he was going to be done by now, or roll over them, right? And just seize their government. Yeah. And, and just that he was this much bigger, stronger power. Yeah. And what we see is that when you're living in your own territory and you're digging into your own right. neighborhoods, and everyone's got a gun and they're defending their right. home, right? Uh, it's not easy to just come and invade somebody, right? I mean, and, and so Ukraine is having a, a large degree of success, and there have been thousands of Russian yes. soldiers that have been uh, killed. That's right. And so it's not it's not functioning the way that that he thought it would. That's right. But imagine <laughs> yeah. if it were to, if it were if things were to play out the way that we thought they would. So, like in the first week, all of a sudden, uh, we we thought this was going to happen. It didn't. But imagine in the first week, if Putin rolls in with all of his tanks and his planes and whatever, and just demolishes. Uh, massive amounts, and at, at that point, then it would be right for Ukraine to say, "Okay, we surrender," um, rather than draw this out forever, knowing that it's just it, it is the inevitable slaughter of millions upon millions of people. Hmm. Yeah, that's hard to swallow. Hmm. But if people are made in the image of God, and there is nothing that is worth their life other than other people, mm-hmm. then th- that's what, that's what yeah. this says. Th- this one is challenging. It, sure it, it is. It challenges my, you know, my heart. I have a competitor's heart, right? Yeah. And, the, and there's something that feels very honorable to the unto death. Yes, you know, but what you're talking yeah. about is honor and shame, and that is not a proper motivation to I fight. I don't know if it's about shame okay. or honor as much as okay. this is what's right, and I will die for what's right. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to think about that one a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, the fifth criteria is that it, uh, war must be a last resort. All peaceful, viable alternatives have to be explored seriously and exhausted. On the other hand, let me, a little caveat here. If the other side is stalling the violence by bad faith negotiations, then you can call them on that and say, okay, well, then it is time for war. Because um, that's not an actual... Uh, you know they're actually uh, gaining power as right. you, as they right. stall. There's there's so much manipulation and false. So we're not talking about that, right? But we are talking about every possible avenue of peace that is legitimate right. and serious. It's a last resort has for sure. to be yeah. explored, um, and this is difficult. Uh, I think for a country like the United States, when we have so much military power, it is very easy for us to say. We looked at a couple options. Um, yeah. Okay. We're, we're pretty much going to do it our way. We're pretty much going to do it what we're going to do. You're going to accept that. Exactly. Which, you know, is probably, we, we have a role in this, right, sure, with Ukraine. Sure. That's uh, right. That we've, we've been too, uh, too high on the hog and bossing around other people yeah. and governments and not listening and not respecting, perhaps. Um, you know, when I, when I look back, uh, there's a lot of stuff that—, that I didn't like about Donald Trump, uh-huh. but one thing that he was doing was trying to be friends with Russia, mm. and and in doing that, he was willing to weaken NATO, yeah. which is largely a group of nations that looks to us to protect them. Sure, um, sure. But you know, I like I like allegiances and I like yeah, allies sure, for sure, sure, and, sure. and they're, they're not nothing. Yeah. Um, 
But he was really taking on the bigger threat, which we did a podcast episode on, which is which is China. Yeah. And he was gearing up for what could be a, a much more serious problem. Yeah, yeah. And in that way, I think uh, he was on to something. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. I don't know that that's the way it's going to play out, but I can see that it might, for sure. Mm-hmm. It, 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 so he might, I'm sure that he sees things that you and I don't see. Yeah. So it yeah. seems like if we could have prevented this attack of Ukraine, if we could have shown a little bit more respect to Russia, if we could have been a little bit better partners with them, they could have even been an ally with us if China decides to overstep their bounds. That's a real possibility, but I think we're way past we, that oh, now. Oh, yeah, that's long gone That's now. long yeah, gone. Yeah, it's, it's long gone. So we're going to continue to weaken Russia with sanctions and sure. and, and you know our, our, alliance, our alliances, strengthen yeah. our alliances. And um, yeah, so it's uh, that, that ship has sailed. And... It does say, I'm not sure we've done everything yeah, very yeah. well to negotiate or to to show respect or to uh, properly allow folks to speak their mind and yes. and do our due diligence in diplomacy. I don't, yeah, I don't that's think right. we've done that. I agree. And any fo- any force that has a large capability for violence, much larger than their counterparts, typically uh, you know, we'll, we'll they not. listen they, less. They, they listen yeah. less. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. So the final criteria for going to war is called proportionality. And that is, uh, the anticipated benefits must be proportional to the evil of war. Uh, or another way to say it is as soon as evil is restrained, you have to stop the violence. Um, one, uh, uh, example of this, when we had terrorists that came and bombed on nine 11, uh, the, the Twin Towers and other uh, sites, uh, I heard people say, we should just go bomb the entire Middle East into smithereens. Right. We did not do that, and I'm glad we didn't do that. <laughs> that would not be proportional. Right. We do have self-defense. We, we have the right and uh-huh. the responsibility to defend ourselves. Yeah. So there's an, a proper use of military might there, but... We have to use it proportionally. Yeah, that's straight out of an eye for an eye, a tooth Correct. for a tooth Correct. in the Old Testament. That that was to limit someone who's retaliating. Yes. That you will not do more yes. than the offense that was uh, uh, put that's against right. you. Right. So in order to go to war uh, and it be righteous and just, you've got to have all six of these. You have to have a just cause, a competent authority, a right intention, the probability of success, it has to be a last resort, and there has to be proportionality. And this has been developed over uh, hundreds of years of oh, Christians. Yeah, over a thousand. Yeah. Over and, a thousand years. Yeah, and and um, and as we said, some of the, the big players were Augustine, that's the fourth century. That's correct. Um, and then Aquinas is later. Uh-huh. Um, have other, do you know of other religions that have spoken into this this criteria. Absolutely. So others will have slightly different ways of putting it, mm-hmm. but uh, ancient Egyptians talked about proper uses of war and improper uses of war and things that you can do and can't do. Um, Confucianism, going back for a couple thousand years, mm-hmm. has talked about proper use of war. The ancient Hindus, the ancient Greeks and Roman thinkers talked a lot about this. Yep. And so everyone recognizes, you know, uh, I've heard the phrase, all is fair in love and war. Well, nobody really thinks that that's true right. in either case. I understand the phrase, and I've used it myself. Right. But even in war, people recognize there is something, even when you're killing people, yeah. there's something moral here that we need to avoid, something immoral that we need to avoid, yeah. even as we're killing there people. There are all kinds of moral parameters that must yes. be followed. Always, always, yeah. always. Yeah. Okay, so let's go through um, some of the principles, uh, five of them. Um for how to conduct a just war. Once we're in a just war, how is it that we conduct warfare in a way that is just and respects the image of God and people while at the same time restraining evil? That's a hard line to follow. And just like the, yeah. what we've gone over so far, it's going to be difficult to know exactly uh, right. where these lines are. And we need to have ethical debates, but they need to start with what we all agree on are the principles. Yeah, And that's these. And even when we agree on the principles, uh-huh. uh, like the UN has agreed on what's a war crime and what's not, uh-huh. uh, and then you have a country that is that is propagating war crimes, yeah. uh, if they if they're successful, yeah. 
then the victors get to decide uh, new new rules. Sort right? of, yeah. <laughs> so that's that's it's problematic, and so we're gonna uh, hopefully when this is all over, we're gonna hopefully as a as not just the, the United States but as a a world, uh-huh. we're gonna try Russia for yeah. for war crimes. Correct. Um, and that's the, these are agreed upon. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sanctions on how you're to conduct war. That's right. And how you're not to. That's right. And civilian death is a biggie. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Well, okay, so uh, the civilian death, this is our first principle, and what ethicists mm. call this is distinction. And the principle is that you have to distinguish between enemy combatants and non-combatants. Right. Right? You cannot attack children, the elderly, hospitals, civilians. You cannot um, uh, terrorize them. You can't attack neutral targets. Uh, you cannot attack those who have already surrendered. If someone is surrendering, they cannot be attacked. They are no longer a combatant, even if they are carrying a uniform and were a combatant before. If they truly are surrendering, they are no longer a combatant. Um, once people are captured, they cannot be killed. They're not a combatant. Those who are injured and present no immediate threat, those who are shipwrecked, uh, these are people who are not combatants, and they cannot yeah. be attacked. You know, even even Nazis were adamantly opposed. If you shot down an airplane and a, and a pilot uh, ejected and was yep. parachuting yep. down, yep. Yep. they were adamantly opposed. You do not shoot. You do not that shoot man. that person. Right. Correct. Right. You've downed the aircraft, and that's that's enough. Yeah. Um, now, if he happens to perish in in the downing of the aircraft, that's different. But once he's parachuting, you are not to shoot totally. this fellow. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that I would extend this to military targets versus civilian targets. Of course. And we have all kinds of smart bombs yes. and guided missiles. And, yes. And warfare is no longer just kind of a, you know, pull the pin and chuck a grenade. It, yes. It is fine-tuned, and there really shouldn't be very much of this this uh, death to, to civilians. Right. Yeah, there shouldn't be. Right, but shouldn't. Often, the, yeah. there often is. there is. So that gets into our second principle, and that is proportionality. Now, I had a proportionality uh, uh, principle before. This is uh, sometimes the, the one before war is called macro proportionality, and this is micro proportionality. And the principle is this. We all know that when you go after military targets, often there will be civilian uh, unintended casualties. Right. But... Uh, when uh, when we go after that, we need to uh, when we go after military targets, knowing that there will be unintentional civilian casualties, we must take the civilian casualties into account. And so, collateral co- the collateral yeah. damage that's what we call it. And it and just because it's collateral doesn't mean that it has no ethical consequence. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're going to go after one military target. And say so you're going to take out a bridge, but then because of that, you're taking out this bridge, then it, it, you're going to destroy the dam, and uh, 30,000 people downstream are going to be flooded and die. Uh, but that means that this one tank can't get across the bridge. Okay, that is like an extreme example. That is right. immoral. I was like, well, I didn't mean, you know, my, my, I was really going after the, the bridge as a military target. And the others is collateral damage. No, that is right. immoral. Right, proportionality. Proportionality, that's right. And this leads us to the ethical dilemma of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, mm-hmm. which in, in which massive numbers of civilian people died. And the question is, and, and this is something that ethicists have been wrestling with yeah. forever. I mean, well, not forever, since it happened. Right. Uh, tons and tons, I mean, more civilians died in that... In that uh, uh, raid than any other, and it uh, it stopped the war. Decisively, there's no yes. question it dis- right. it stopped the war. Yeah, and boy, that is that's tough. Yeah. It's really really tough. Yeah, I think a lot of this is is challenging. Very challenging. Okay, so third principle: military necessity. Every attack that you make must be necessary to subdue evil and defeat the enemy. Mm-hmm. You can't just willy-nilly saying, oh, look, there's a, there's a tank, there's a soldier, there's a whatever, and so is it, you know, uh, can I somehow justify it uh, because, the, no, it has to be a necessary attack, strategic in order to stop evil. Uh, you might have to flesh that out a little bit. If, uh, say I'm in Ukraine, right? Yeah. I'm in my neighborhood, and, and in, some, in walk some Russian soldiers, yeah. uh, and I shoot them. 
They're not they're not shooting anybody. They're just walking down the street. Yeah. Would you say that that's wrong? That no, well, I don't know. That's difficult. <laughs> know. It is. Because, I would say it's not. So, it, well, it depends. Cuz they're invading. That's evil. An e- they're yes. there for for ill intent. Okay, yep. there you go. Now you said protecting it. They're there my for homeland. ill intent. Yep. Then if you say they're there for ill intent in order to hurt me, my family, my land, what then yes, it is absolutely legitimate. But not every military operation will do that. Right. Right? And so there's uh there are military targets that are mm-hmm. not necessarily Right. uh uh, um, crucial to the effort of evil. So let me complicate this a little bit. Okay. Uh, t- take the Vietnam War. Yeah. Right? Oh, um, yeah. We'll, we'll <laughs> complicate into a, it real fast. You go into a village. Yeah. Um, you think you're dealing with civilians. Yeah. Um, some of these civilians have been uh, browbeaten and fear-mongered into right. protecting Viet Cong or supporting right. Viet Cong. Right. Um, they flat out tell you they're they're civilians, yes. they're peaceful. Yes. Then you get shot in the back. Right. Right. Because there's a whole bunch of lying and that deception. That yes. happened Oh, yeah. So this is really complicating when people are, yes. are saying, oh, hey, we don't want you to kill civilians, but yes. then we're going to make our civilians kill you. Right. Yeah. In which case, they are combatants. And, right. And, and so no matter their age, no matter so their- So confusing. Right. Yeah. And so, oh, yeah. In, in the fog of war, this is very, yeah. very difficult. Or uh, child uh, soldiers. Yes. I mean, you know, let's, let's get an eight-year-old, give them a gun. And sure, then, yeah, sure. Now they're a combatant. Yeah. But they're eight years old. Yeah. And man, those are, that's, that's tough. I, you think about soldiers with PTSD, I think a lot of them have, have some real uh, stricken consciences where they've sure. had to kill- Children. Children. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or civilians that, that it was confusing and they, they made a mistake and now they got to suffer yeah. the mistake. Yep. Um, yep. It's, it's horrible. It's terrible. Yeah. War is always terrible. That's right. Okay. So um, principle number four, fair treatment of prisoners of war. Another big violation through the years. Oh my gosh. But the principle is this, enemy soldiers who pose no threat yep. must be treated humanely. Yep. Must be treated humanely. So that we cannot torture people. We cannot put them in isolation. All we can do, all we need to do is to restrain evil. As soon as evil is restrained, we're done fighting. Yeah. That is violated everywhere all the time. All the time. Unfortunately. It's, I mean, it's, it's horrible what has been done to prisoners of war. And we even waterboarded folks uh, during the Bush administration, we sure did. And maybe and maybe other times that we're not aware of. Yes, um, clearly then, but probably other times mm-hmm. as well. Um, I, I don't want to dog on the United States too much, ex- but that is true, and it is our our country. Yeah, yeah. but I, but you know, you take World War II and the the Japanese oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. the way they treated their prisoners. Yes, um, and there's plenty to read about that. I mean, it's horrific, sure. and, and that's just an example. This is a a huge problem. Yes, um, which which shows us that the war. It really becomes an emotional. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's C.S. Lewis who said that that the Nazis killed the Jews because they hated them. Right. But then they hated them because they were killing them. Right. I mean, the 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 violence that it does to your own soul. Yes. Uh, it, it just people come unhinged. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And we forget that they these are people who are made in the image of God, and they as a, as because they're made in the image of God. They deserve to be treated as image bearers of the Almighty. Mm-hmm. And when we restrain their evil and they are not a threat to us, then what does Jesus say? Love your enemies. And that's... Is that easy to do? No. Right. But is that the right thing to do? I don't know how you can argue that it's not. Yeah, well, I mean, if you have prisoners of war, when you say love them, I don't think that means that you you put them in lazy boys and give them a remote control. No. And I'm, I know you're not saying that. No. But I'm just, you know, <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, here's a turkey dinner. No, right. but, but no, we're not talking about that. We're not going to torture people. We're not going to, yeah, we're not going to be punitive Correct. after they've been captured. Because governments are trying to. to establish peace and order, Yeah. not be vindictive totally. to one another. Do you remember the pictures from Abu Ghraib? prison where they they forced uh, American soldiers forced uh, what was it Saudi soldiers I think I'm not positive of the the nationality to get into like a pyramid and like pull their pants down and like peeing on them and like okay that that's not exactly torture but it is humiliation humiliation mm-hmm. that is straight up immoral even if even if 
those exact people were shooting at you the day before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the peculiar thing about war. Isn't it is. It? And, and having a just war. We, yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. So our last principle here is that we can never use inherently evil means. And now that is difficult to know, but pretty universally people say you cannot use like rape as a weapon. Right. Chemical warfare. Chemical warfare, nuclear warfare, yeah, the kinds of the warfare. kinds of weapons where we know for sure that they're going to spread and have consequences that are innumerable mm-hmm. for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Those are evil means and so anytime we use those we are uh that that's not a just use of warfare. Right. Right, right. Okay, so during war our five principles are distinction distinction, distinguishing between enemy combatants and non-enemy combatants, proportionality, uh that our targets have to have military necessity, we must treat our prisoners of war fairly and we cannot use uh means that are inherently evil. Um let me finish this up by saying that uh, um, the Geneva Convention uh, comes out of the Red Cross movement. Uh, there was there's a bunch of conventions actually, the Geneva Conventions, but the big one was in 1949 when 196 countries signed on to some general principles of all the conventions that had come in the past. So the first one is that. Uh, uh, is a statement on the treatment of wounded and sick in battle, saying that wounded soldiers may not be targets and medical personnel and facilities may not be targets and they uh, have to have freedom to move wherever they want to go in order to help the sick and dying. Now, those people are not combatants. They don't carry uh, weapons and that sort of thing. So doctors and nurses and other folks like that are free to go and to help wherever they can, and they are not targets. Yet again, in the fog of war, yes. you better believe yes. um, someone will intentionally kill them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, that absolutely happens. Yeah. And I'll say it is immoral. Right. But the other thing that also happens is that you got folks saying, oh, I'm going to pretend... I'm a medic. ...that I'm a medic. Yeah, and so I can get where I need so to be. So I can get where I need to go. Uh-huh. Right, and so that's also immoral. Right. Right. Uh, but anyway, that's that's the idea. Okay, so then the second convention was on the treatment of shipwrecked sailors in combat, and this basically says the same thing. You get a uh, the same thing as the as the one on the you know sick and wounded on the battlefield. If you got a, a boat that's destroyed, right. and you got people who are in the water, right. you're supposed to save them. We're ab- we, they are no longer combatants. And we're going to provide whatever help we can to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the third convention uh, was on the treatment of, of prisoners of war. We've kind of already talked about that, right. but it's, but specifically, what they said was prisoners of war must be protected. They must have food and water yep. and shelter, basic necessities, medical sure. care yeah. and safety. They need to have the ability to write and communicate with their family and with their loved ones. And after the conflict has finished, they must be released without delay. Right. Uh, it's difficult now. We have prisoners of war, and when you say, "Okay, the you know, what about the war on terrorism?" Well, that's never going to stop. Mm-hmm. So, are we allowed to keep uh, prisoners of war indefinitely? Yeah, it gets uh, gets messy. That's tough. Yeah, that doesn't seem right. But I'm not sure how to right how how to you know un- untangle that knot. Right. Well, I think that that um, going back to some of the principles we laid at the beginning, yeah, are they a proper authority? If they're just a terrorist blowing something up, then the government should perhaps just execute them, try them, give them due process, and execute them. Makes sense to me. Instead of detaining them forever, or yeah. you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah, you may be right about that. Right. The fourth convention and the final one uh, said uh, w- was a statement on the treatment of civilians during times of war. And it said that civilians must be protected um, and that if there's an occupying power, then they have to provide for the safety and the medical uh, conditions of the Uh civilians that are there. You also cannot discriminate among civilians. You cannot discriminate for sex, race, religion, political opinions, and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So those are the Geneva Conventions, and uh, that was ratified by 196 countries— Back in 1949, there have been a few revisions, slight mm-hmm. revisions here mm-hmm. and there for various things, but 
Um, those yeah. are things that basically the whole world agrees yeah. to. And this, and for good reason. These yes. are good things. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, of course, we're looking forward to the day when, like the Bible says, we'll beat our swords into plowshares and war will be no more. Um, we believe that of the increase of Christ's government and of peace, there will be yes. no end. Yes. And we're looking forward to that new heavens and new earth and the end of all warfare. And it's just, it's it's unsettling to see Europe at war again. Yes. Um but yeah, this is this has been a good review of Just War. So hey, if you have any questions or comments, uh, please write us at the Hopper Podcast at gmail.com. This is William with the Hopper Podcast. It seems like most of what I see on TV and social media is all hyperpolarized and hyperpolarizing. At the Hopper Podcast, we're trying to listen and learn. We're looking for truth wherever it is, even if it makes us look bad. And if that sounds good to you, join us. Tell others about the Hopper Podcast, and we'll all learn together. Hey, Willie, uh, recently you have started taking judo with your family, right? Yeah, I have. Like a judo club. Yeah, there's a judo club here where we live, and mm-hmm. I've never done martial arts before, and uh, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it. We've been doing it for about yeah. a month. Yeah, I have done quite a bit of martial arts, and I have always enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and we did judo as a family oh, when really? we were in Philadelphia. Okay. Um, and our, our, our sensei was a... a globally recognized judo uh, expert in wow. the katas. Wow, wow. Um, Kevin Hobbs. So, okay. Uh, yeah, so he was at a church there locally, and we went to the church, and we just were part of a judo club, and the kids had a great time. Yeah. And I was really enjoying it. Of course, yeah. I had taken numerous forms before that. Yeah. Um, but uh, judo is different. It's unique compared to the forms that I took because it has so many throws and is more grappling. Yes. And technically... It's more of a sport than a yes, martial art. Correct. Um, it is. Uh, it's taken from jujitsu. Yes. Which is more of a uh, all-encompassing sort of tanglement of, of yes. uh, you know, locks and chokes and right. strikes. Right. Um, and it was created into basically Japanese wrestling. Yeah. Is you know, and it's an Olympic sport. Uh huh. As is the. Uh, taekwondo, uh-huh. which is the Korean martial art that is taught to their military personnel, but it's also a sport. Yes. And we have that in the Olympics. Um, yes. Kung Fu, of course, is from China uh-huh. and the Shaolin monks. And uh, that's that's more united to a, uh, a mystic religious aspect. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. So it's, uh, you heard of monism. The, yes. Yeah. The one of the universe. Right. Uh, the, a right. non-personal God, but a force, a chi that comes out of the ground and you know we we're all a part of and Yoda taught me about that. Yes, yes. So uh, you know in and this is kind of fascinating. I was I was a fan of kung fu when I was a kid. I liked uh-huh. the kung fu movies and uh-huh, yeah. Bruce Lee. Sure. Bruce Lee was just a, a solid specimen. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> um and in those those movies the highest forms of kung fu were really people fighting with their minds. They didn't even have to use their bodies. Right, right. right. But they were so one and so attached to the forces that were the universal that yes. they could they could uh, restrain evil with a thought um, and their meditation. Yes, you know? yes, yes, yes. And uh, I, uh, again, yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Jedi, the Jedi mind tricks. And, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. Using the force. Um, and then uh, you know all the karates are from Japan. Uh huh. And uh, I took Ishinryu first in high school. Okay. Ishinryu is Okinawan. Okay. And some of the uh, Taekwondo and some of the uh, Gojo Ryu and some of the karates are are more like deep stance, powerful kicks, powerful punches. Yes. Uh, Ishinryu was more of a speed. Um, oh, okay. You didn't kick high. You kicked low and fast, uh, quick strikes. Yes. Um, and so I liked that. I thought it was more practical. Yeah. Uh, so I took that, and then I took American Freestyle, okay. which is kind of an amalgamation of different forms. Sure. And about that time, they started having the UFC. Oh, <laughs> The ultimate gotcha. fighting championship. Yeah. Where they got all these different forms together and just said... Who's the best? Which which form works the best? Yes. Uh, you'd have a, a, a karate technician and a kung fu technician and, yes. and taekwondo. And yeah. All, you know, uh, tie fighting, which is more like clinching and elbows and knees. And, yes. You know, is a pretty pretty brutal sport yeah. um, and type of fighting. Uh, and jiu-jitsu uh-huh. and striking. So any of the, the striking, which you could get from any of those. Sure. But jiu-jitsu and striking uh, have won the day in MMA. Mm. And MMA started, you know, mixed martial arts, yes. started with this no rules. Right. There were three basic rules. Okay. 
You couldn't fish hook someone. Okay. That's when you stick your finger in their mouth and rip their face. Oh, I see. Sure. For obvious reasons, yeah. right? This is disfiguring, life-threatening. Right. We're not going to allow you to do that. Yeah. There's no eye gouging. Okay. Of that would blind For the somebody. Same. Yeah, and, yeah, sure. And there were no small joint locks, which, you know, breaking fingers and toes and things oh, like I that. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, again, there's just, there's no real reason for that. Yeah. Um, and so those were the only three rules originally. Okay. And I saw bouts where people were struck in the groin over and over and over and over again. What? Yeah. Now, they had a cup on, but I'm not sure it matters. I mean, I don't know if you've ever At had a cup point. on and been hit in the groin. It's not exactly like, you know... Uh, I'm impenetrable. Nothing hurts right. down there. Right. It's pretty sore. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And I've seen strike after strike after strike until the guy tapped out. Um, so clearly, MMA had to uh, evolve yeah, into right. what it is now. Sure. Um, where you have weight classes. Yeah. You have uh, a bunch of other rules. Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of... I don't need to go into those, but... Sure. Um, they're they're for safety. Yeah. So you can't, you know, elbow to the back of the head or strike to the back of the head or um, you can't... You can't kick a downed opponent. Sure. You know, just a whole bunch of rules that, that make it more of a sport yeah. and less okay. of just brutality. But the original idea was, which of these forms from different parts of the world actually do the job? Yeah. Yeah. I can see the value in that. Yeah. Um, have you heard of Aikido? I've heard of it. I don't know what it is. Aikido is a Japanese... Is that a kind of flower? <laughs> Yes, Akito Lotus. Oh yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't know what that is. So Akito, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know my flowers. Um, uh, Akito is a wartime Japanese self-defense. Oh, I see. Against okay. samurai and so forth. Okay. So okay. Someone is charging you full speed in war with a sword. Yeah. And it is the form that that gets the most credit for using someone else's aggression against them. Oh, I see. It is. Uh, it's told to be the most. Um, passive or, or least um, aggressive striking oh, okay. martial art that then just uses someone else's aggression and and takes them down yeah. right? or you yeah. Know, yeah. Uh, disarms them or whatever. Yeah. And it was largely in wartime. Now, it's it's therefore less practical now. Sure. Uh, obviously. You know, right. warfare is very, very different. Um, but you said that that's one of the things you really like about judo. So judo is the same thing, but without weapons, right? right. So, so this is, no one has weapons. But one of the things I like about it, yes, is that there is no striking, there's no punching, there's no kicking in judo. But there is, uh, it's all about balance, maintaining right. your own balance and getting the other person off of balance. And then when they are charging, you step out of the way and use their strength and their weight to, against yep. them right. to get them off balance so that they, you know, so that someone who's stronger... Uh, falls if they don't keep their balance. Right. Yeah, yeah. And th- and then uh, getting down, once they have fallen, then you get down and restrain them uh, without uh, hurting them. Right. Uh, I mean, they, so, you know, people do get hurt, and that happens. Yeah, um, for sure. But, it's a sport. But the goal is not to hurt mm-hmm. um, but, or to strike, but to restrain them. Mm-hmm. And really, you get points uh, in the matches for restraining somebody. Right. And so somebody's attacking you, you okay, so allow th- whatever their strength is, okay, I'm going to use that against them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's I like that I like that approach to fighting just in general. That I'm not going to strike, but I'm going to use someone's aggression. Yeah. As, as you know, for for my good. I like that philosophically. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Of course it yeah. Uh some of the best martial arts are like uh Krav Maga. Which is the Israeli military self-defense, which is gritty, okay? Because it's so practical. It's about uh, you're being attacked with a knife. Someone's holding a gun to your head. Right, right. It is real street warfare. Yes. Um, and that is a that's a that would be a great skill to know uh-huh. if you're ever in a place that you're threatened like that. Yeah. Um, someone tries to mug you. Someone tries to kidnap you, rape you, whatever. Um, I would be all on board with my daughter using whatever means necessary to sure. defend herself. Sure. And not just judo flip them. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. I got you completely. Yeah. Do whatever you need to do, darling. <laughs> yeah. 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 And how do you, let's use all the resources that right. you have to free yourself. Right. Sure. But you might be interested, um, judo came out of jujitsu, which is more gritty. Right? Yes, that's right. But it's also a sport. Yes. And I think it probably, I don't know if it's met 
with the Olympics or not, but it probably will soon if it hasn't. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Um, but it's certainly all over the place. Yeah. And it is more about joint locking and controlling yeah. and, uh-huh. and you know, choking with a gi and with your arm, which you can do in judo as well. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, and of course, the, those submission holds yes, are, are submission restraining. Holds. Yes. yes, big time. And so jujitsu was really fascinating. It, it was not well known until Hoist Gracie and the UFC started winning all the time. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and his he just did jujitsu. He barely did any strikes. He would grapple. He would tangle someone up and get him some kind of lock, and they'd have to submit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that has really um, most people who get, if they're going to fight in MMA, you better know jujitsu. Yeah. I mean, it's just one of the the key pieces. Sure. But it's um. It has a little bit more practical self-defense, but it is it is grittier than judo uh-huh. for sure. Uh-huh. Um, but that may be something you 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 look into. I don't know. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Well, for now, um, I, I you know it's good exercise for me, and we're doing it as a family, and that's right. good too. This is a great club, and I'm enjoying these particular senseis. Yeah. And, and the and the you know forming a sense of community there. And it's it's wonderful. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, and shout out to Kevin Hobbs. He was a great instructor, and and just he's a Christian man, and um, just we had a wonderful time. I made the fun for the kids, and it was all free. Um, yeah, so we had a great time. That's with, great. with judo. It's a, it's a lot of fun, and it is a good family. You know, yeah. act, physical activity. I was I'd be sweating. And, oh yeah, totally. You know, when I was a kid, I don't know if you, if you felt the same. I was always into martial arts. I always I've always liked no, it. No. Like kung fu and Bruce Lee, like I already said. Okay, right? Yeah. But um, you know, in judo, you you actually flip people. Yes, totally. and as a kid, you don't even know what that you know. <laughs> right. Oh, he just got flipped. Right. You know, he just flipped somebody for yeah. some reason. That was like a trump card, right? Oh yeah. Oh, he just got flipped. Right. And uh, <laughs> oh so, yeah. And then you learn how to do it in judo, and it, it's uh, and when you see someone actually accomplish it, it's amazing. Oh, I we've only been doing it yeah. a month, and I have been flipped, and I have flipped others. Yeah. And yeah, it's uh, I you know. Uh, I got the wind knocked out of me once, right. and like, okay, <laughs> yeah. part of that was because the person who was flipping me was new and was not doing right. it properly, and part of it was because I didn't fall properly. Didn't fall I didn't break pro- my yeah. fall. Yeah, there's a way to fall. There's a way to fall, and yeah. so I've been learning it, uh, you know. And yeah. but it's but it's fun. I got back up, and I'm like, okay, very good. Yeah, all right. Have you seen? Have you done any like uh, searches for videos of judo oh, uh, yeah. throws? Oh, it's amazing. So, yeah, I'm just like, wow. And it's super fast. It happens mm-hmm. super fast, but yep. super technical. Yeah. Very, yep. very interesting. I push you this way. You try to correct your balance, and uh-huh. I use that that strength to, you know, and flip you that opposite or, or direction. Or it's a fake. Or, I'm going yeah. to move my leg this way, so you think I'm going I'm going to do this move, but actually I'm going to come around. So, so you are anticipating what I'm going to do, but then I switch it on you and use the, your anticipation against you, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, it's it's a lot of yeah. fun. You know, the history of this is born out of warfare. Uh, we yes. just talked about just war and yeah. uh, warfare. And so that there, there are all of these weapons that have come down through the traditions yes. that were not uh, swords and certainly not guns that you know, predated sure, guns sure, sure. and black powder. But, you know, samurai had swords, really well-made swords, yes. and farmers did not. Yes. And so there was a wide variety of Japanese weaponry that yeah. came from ordinary tools like mm. like reapers mm. um mm. and you know one is they they put this basically it's like a knife on the end of a rope and that someone can be can become very skilled at manipulating this rope so they can throw it and stab you and pull the and knife pull back. back yeah and and wow. wrap it around their body or around their their ankles or their head or whatever and fling it a different direction and oh my goodness yeah so in kung fu you you see a lot of these sorts of uh, weapons you know and yeah. one of the most simple is the bow staff you know sure, which sure. napoleon is, has got skills in right napoleon oh, dynamite oh, oh napoleon dynamite yeah <laughs> skills for the bow staff skills for the bow staff <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and so you know and and, and two stick stick fighting yeah. Um, and some of that is very fascinating too. If you if you look at the history, I know you like history. Yeah. Um, but you know, how does a peasant defend himself? Yeah. Um, and and the t- the tools that they use yeah. and become yeah. Yeah. weapons, um, and then the skill that is required for right. them to master that weapon to be able to defend themselves is is it's that's why it's called a martial art because yes. it is an art form. That's right. Um, and some of that is just really intriguing and really fascinating. Oh, for sure. Yeah, all the weaponry and how it, how they developed. and yeah. For sure. Uh, my sensei was telling me, in terms of art, my sensei was telling me that in uh, in judo, there are like prescribed moves that you learn as you go through the different belts and that kind of thing. And 
there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of like flips and turns and and uh, holds and that kind of thing. And he said, when you go to a tournament of the highest level folks, he said, each one uh, competing at the highest level, they know all the moves and they only use four. Right. Because it's the four that fit their body right. and their style and their comfortability And they've mastered well. them, yeah. And so mm-hmm. then they concentrate on those four and they do them hundreds of thousands of times right. so that they are ready to do this. And, and so you get someone who's taller than you. Okay, so I'm going to rely on these three. If someone's shorter than you, then I'm going to rely on these two or whatever. You know. And so I have a right. few that are going to fit. And they said, yeah, they, it doesn't matter. You know exactly what they're going to do, and you can't stop it. Right. But that's the art. It's what works for me uh-huh. in this. So it's, you know, I, have, I can right. do all of it. But then what works for me, and that's the art, is making it my own. And that reminds me of like baseball. Like there are all these different yeah. pitches. Yeah. But pitchers are only typically totally. good at three of them. That's right. They might have a fourth pitch. Yeah. Right. But they, typically it's like a fastball and a changeup in a curveball or something. Or uh-huh. Someone doesn't throw a curveball very well, but they got a great slider or yeah. a, a, uh-huh. you know, a split finger. Uh-huh. And so they only have a few pitches that they've learned to master exactly. and it works for them. Exactly. And then every matchup with a batter is right. a different chess game. Yes, totally. Um, and and how I'm going to fake them out, and am I going to throw it low and inside, or you know, yeah. Uh, and yeah. so, you know, when I, I explain this to my wife and kids, who who, when they were younger, thought yeah. baseball was pretty slow and boring. Sure. And I said, well, there there's a there's a strategy going on. There's a yeah. chess match. It's not quite be- as boring as a chess match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really boring. Um, but yeah, but it's uh, and that's you're that's true. And oh yeah, yeah, and that's why I really got into mixed martial arts when I was a younger man because uh-huh. of the different matchups. Yes. And not just not just their skills and um, their strengths and weaknesses, yeah. but also their personalities. Yeah. Um, and uh, there's always someone who's maybe uh, really arrogant, uh-huh. and you can't wait uh-huh. for them to get a good dose of humble yeah. pie or yeah. you know, something like that. Sure. Um, and so I, I learned different fighters and what they were good at, and that the matchups, you know, got yeah. more and more interesting to me. Yeah. 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 But I don't really watch much in the way of sports anymore, and. and yeah. Mixed martial arts has started to fade in my in my, uh, my viewing. So okay, yeah. Well, you ought to join me with uh, judo sometime. You know, I would like that. I, it's hard on your knees. I already have bad knees. Yeah, um, yeah. But I did like it. I did enjoy it. Yeah, and I, I could use the exercise well, for sure. I'll think about it. Okay, <laughs> yeah. sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Hopper Podcast. You made it to the end of this week's episode. Congratulations. You win Preparation H. Oh, yes. I need that. Hey, listen. To claim your prize, write us at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com or record a short voice memo on your phone and send it to thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we will discuss, does Hamburger Helper really help hamburgers? I don't think so. Well, maybe. Be sure to like, subscribe, and follow. Join our Facebook group for more Hopper goodness. The Hopper Podcast is sponsored this week by Jimbo's European Man Panties. (laughs) You got the samples, right? (laughs) I got the samples. (laughs) Oh, is that what those were? (laughs) Well, how did you use them? I don't want to say. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. (laughs) 